I hope you've had a chance to listen to part one of this interview on BizBytes. Stay tuned now for part two. Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by ComTogether, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. And un- under the Buntu brands, and I don't want to you know, get into the details here, but the first process we work with our clients through, we call Uncover You. To answer the question without swearing, who the heck are you really? What do you do if you put that damn phone down for 48 hours? What gets your attention? Who do you hang out with? Where does the spirit of you go? What is it that enlivens you? And the next process we call Express You. And, and we use this example because it's me. But if I show up on a podcast, you get me. If I show up at a coffee, you get me. You meet me on the beach, you get me. There is no dissonance between the Zoom Greg, the podcast Greg, the Channel 7 Greg, or the Greg that you meet, you know, hanging out with his family on the beach. It is consistent. But if you have an accountant who is serious but attempts to turn up with a sense of humour, say on his LinkedIn profile, like it just doesn't work. It grates. It doesn't make sense. So the expression of our authentic selves is the only thing that makes sense because all of this bot-to-bot stuff that you're alluding to, that's BS. We'll be Mm. so bored with this so quickly, all we will do will be the three wise monkeys. Hear nothing, see nothing. What's the other one? (laughs) Smell nothing. (laughs) Smell nothing, yes. Yes. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Speak no evil, yes. Yeah, and smell nothing. (laughs) Smell nothing, yes. Um. So in the spirit of all of that, what I wanted to do as well, Greg, was kind of ask you a little bit, I mean, because this is the journey that you've been on for the last three or four years, but take me back to uh, Greg Smith school uh, kind of days. What was the, what was it that was driving you? What did you, what did you want to be when you grew up kind of, kind of deal? What was the, (laughs) what was the original plan and, 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 you know, what was going on around you? What were your parents doing? You're a cheeky bugger. All right. Um, I didn't know that that was coming, so fair enough. Uh, well, let me thank my mom and my dad and my cat and the canary and the queen. Um, my first memory, which is relevant to where we are now, my first memory at three and a half, four years of age, living on a very busy four-way street in Sydney, was, mum and dad, please take me to the rocks and trees. I knew intuitively as a tiny tot, that that noise, that smell, that cacophony of stuff was not me. Mm. Fast forward into the end of my schooling career, and I made a decision that I had to work outdoors. Yep. So I did a, I, I won a scholarship to New South Wales Uni, Uni University of New South Wales, to be a surveyor. And my sole motivation was that I'd be working outdoors. The challenge with doing a surveying degree is that the first year is all maths and science and geometry and like you know in week six they said open up to page seven and I just went what I didn't understand the first six pages page seven is irrelevant so I left and somebody said to me Greg I think you would make an awesome and he used the wrong word he said I think you would make an awesome teacher and I went rack off that would be the last thing I would want to do you know my dad thought teachers were smart Alex and you know, teachers have that persona about them and they get stuck in a school and, you know, you go from school to school to school and it just didn't fit me. Then somebody said, 
Greg, you know this whole outdoor ed thing that you're on or this whole outdoor intent that you're on? Why don't you get into the education bubble and work outdoors? And I went, whoa, is that a thing? And so I lined up at a teacher's college in a queue for an hour and I got to the front of the queue and this is what came out of my mouth without me knowing it was coming. I said, am I standing in the right queue and signing for the right course in order to be the world's best outdoor educator and run that sort of a centre? And they went, no, this is the primary school line. Go and line up over there. <laughs> and I lined up over there for another hour, signed up for the high school you know, qualification. I got to the end of my degree and I went looking for what at the time was the only wilderness department in Australia. Mm. at Chevalier College at Barrel or Mittagong down in that part of the world. And I got a job in the wilderness department, taking kids to the snow and bushwalking, and we did a 12-day expedition across the Blue Mountains and rah, 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 rah. Then what I got was that I could do this and run my own show. So fast forward another you know, five or so years, and I ended up in 1992 standing in a paddock in northern New South Wales here where I'm um, doing this from, and it was a three and a half thousand acre paddock. I was living in Melbourne at the time. And I said to my wife, what do you reckon? She said, uh-oh, we're moving from Melbourne to here, aren't we? And I went, yep, it found me. So dad, mum and dad, take me to the rocks and trees, please. Became me standing in a paddock in 1992 going, this is it. Two years later, after a whole bunch of prep work, I started a company called Interaction Experiential Learning. Fast forward another 20 years, 20 odd years to 2012, 2013, and I sold that business to Outward Bound Australia. I worked with them for five years as their senior business development manager um, for this part of the world. And then after five years, things weren't going so well. I was, I'd was i vendor finance that sale. I was their landlord. I owned the bus. I was their employee. And I decided to leave. Yep. And when I left... I was what, or as I left, I was watching the deterioration of the business that I'd given birth to in 1992. Mm. So expeditioning, mountain biking, canoe touring, high ropes, abseiling, like the real high-end adventure stuff with young adults that turned them on to getting an understanding of an answer to three questions. Who am I? As a young adult, who the heck am I? And our job was to help them in, a, say, a 10-day expedition discern part of the answer to that question. The second question was, who are we? We're now operating in a group of 20 people to get from point A to point, point B, you know, through floods and fires and bush and rivers and whatever it is. So who are we? How are we going to treat each other to get the best out of each other for the next X number of days? And that required a certain standard and cognizance of who we are and our behaviour and how who we are and our behaviour and our language influences others. And the third question was, great, now we've been at this for a period of time and there's a whole what they call the experiential learning cycle, there's a whole bunch of psychological theory behind this, but an expedition gets to a point where the question becomes, okay, we're getting some clarity on who I am we're getting some clarity on who we are. Next question, what's the impact that we want to have? What's the legacy that we would like to leave? How can we take this lesson or these lessons 
from an expedition and transpose those back into our family, our classroom, our school, our community, our state, and whatever it is that the focus was for that group of young adults. So as I left Outward Bound, those three questions continued to resonate me, with me. So my vehicle for 20 odd years to answer those questions for myself and my clients, um, my vehicle was the outdoors. I didn't know it at the time, but my vehicle became working with small to medium enterprises to help them answer that question too. Mm. Who am I? Who are we? And what is the impact that we're really getting out of bed to have every day? So my new vehicle at the start, as you so rightly point out, and thank you for the edification of what we're up to, was handwritten, wax-sealed, patent-interrupt, delightful stuff, supported by a good data team and a call team that start and finish conversations on behalf of us and our clients. We do that stuff, but that's not the reason that we do that stuff. We do that stuff because we want to answer those three questions for entrepreneurs. So my vehicle is now a team of very intelligent, emotionally, psychologically, um, academically, clever, creative people who now we're supported by a bunch of people around us. And so what we now position ourselves as, Anthony, really as your plug-in, plug-out business development team to help you answer who am I, who are we, meaning you and your business, and what is the impact and the legacy that we want to leave? I I, I love that. I mean, it's just such a um, it, it, look. The the journey is incredible that you've been on, and uh, being able to plug into that, and so few people do what you've done, and obviously that's what you're helping people do. So it makes sense that you you know that journey, and I love as well that the rocks and trees that there's a physicality to it as well and that I think there's no mistake as as well as to why you end up with a wax seal and something that's quite different because it is something that is physical and that um, it, it's a sensory thing as much as anything else. I think too often people yep. uh, talk about engagement, um, well, they talk about marketing. I prefer to talk about engagement, but they talk about it in a way that's almost disassociated from anything real. It's it's a piece of content. It's a piece of something. But true engagement happens only when emotions are involved. It only happens when it's when you're ticking a whole bunch of boxes. And what you do is is help tell a story, as you've you've mentioned as well. And there are so many aspects to storytelling that need to be aligned in order for you to get to a, uh, you know, an effective yes uh, at, at some point. And I think too often people just go, oh, by me telling you how to do it and ramming it down your throat often enough, that's going to tell the story and why you should come and buy from me. And that's not the case at all. And I think the disruption that you've created is a very is based on senses and it's based on, you know, plugging into emotions because I think that's the other element that uh, you've kind of mentioned along the way is that humour plays a role uh, in that because humour gets you cut Absolutely. through because more often than not people in an official business correspondence are generally not humorous. No. So if you can be humorous, 
Why not? Absolutely. In fact, we made $1.4 million in two months for an accountant client with a dad joke. He was a client for three years. But one dad joke made him $1.4 million. And I could flip through my sample pack here somewhere and dig it out, but that's not my intent. The the photograph on the front of the card was a yak with some crazy sunglasses on. And the opening copy was, hi, Anthony. Hope you don't mind my old school approach. I'd love to have a yak with you. That gets a, gets a smile at least every time I show that piece to somebody new. Now, you've seen it. It wouldn't have the same impact. But it's still that dad joke is an absolute perler. And I've got to share with you. You might not have heard this piece. I was once sitting, like we're talking 18 months into this campaign, which had been phenomenally successful, sitting with a real estate agent in a cafe. And I said, her name was Anita. And I said, hi, Anita, blah, 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 blah. We talked for 10 minutes and you know, I bought her a coffee and all the rest of it. And I said, here's a sample of our work. Show to the yak. She read that you know, opening sentence to her. Nothing, no smile, no nothing, dour. Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe you missed the dad jack, Nina. Like, you know, to have a yak with somebody is to have a chat and that's a yak. So it's funny. She went, no, it's not. And I went, oh, uh uh-oh, what do you mean? (laughs) She (laughs) said, that's not a yak. And I said, oh, what is it? (laughs) She said, that's a long-haired Scottish cow. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, how do you know that? (laughs) She said, I had two as a pet, as a child. (laughs) That's not a yak. And I said, Anita, I'm going to stand up from this cafe table and leave you to your thoughts. We are never going to be a good match. And I paid for a coffee. And I essentially left her sitting at the cafe table. I rang the client before I got home and I said, mate, you won't believe what I just learned. And he roared laughter. I said, do you think we better change the tagline? He said, no, keep going. That's just hilarious. Dad dad joke with a dad joke within a dad joke. (laughs) uh, I love it. There's nothing better than dad jokes. You know, anyone that's become a father knows that that's a switch that automatically gets turned on uh, and you can't turn it off really and why would you? They do work. Um, Greg, just before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a question uh, and I like to pose this at at my guests is, is there a, a heart moment that clients have with you and that you wish more people kind of realised that in advance. So you're going to get more clients as a result if they would knew that they were going to have that that particular kind of art heart moment when they come to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. The aha moments are built around what the human soul craves. And the we've all heard this stuff. The human spirit or the human soul craves consistency, security, and certainty. Simultaneously, the human psyche craves surprise and delight. And there's a tension between the two. We love our routine, but if we get a surprise in the mail, those there's two things happening simultaneously. The next thing that human beings crave is significance. And if they have a sense of their significance, that leads to them being able to make a contribution and leave a legacy. And in around that, 
we crave belonging to something bigger than ourselves, be that a family, an extended family, a, a church, a community, a, doesn't matter, a team, a classroom, it doesn't matter what it is. We crave otherness. So when we clear the fog on all of that, there is one standout word. And the standout word is significance. And you used it earlier in our conversation. I don't know if you know that you used it, but you did, because I, I hear those words. So if you and I have a sense that because of who we are, not necessarily what we do, but because of who we are, that alone is of significance and is worthwhile, the aha moments that we get for our clients when they go, oh, wow, you're right. It's not what I do, it's who I am that is of significance. A really, a really simple example, I met a mortgage broker. I said, good morning. I'll use a different name. I said, good morning, Mary. Who are you? She said, I'm a mortgage broker. And I said, really? Please wake me up when it's over. She said, what do you mean? I said, do you know there's 120,000 mortgage brokers in Australia? She said, is there? There's 18,000, by the way. I learned that long after I picked that number out of the air. So I said, Mary, what's your significance in that sea of bland beige corporate speak of I'm a mortgage broker. I said, you need to do some work with us. And she did. She's now a facilitator of wealth for middle-aged women who've suffered divorce. Whoa, that's significant. I was talking to a mortgage broker trainer yesterday and he said, if she's not using that tagline, I want it because that is a powerful in need niche in this country right at the moment. Middle-aged women who need their wealth facilitated because they've been through nastiness. It's, Whoa. Significance is it. That's the game. Significance is is so important. And one of the interesting other points there as well is, is when someone asks you who you are and you define it by a job title, you're missing the point as well because – we're not our names. We're not our job titles. We are a lot more than that, a lot right. deeper. Those are just superficial things that we are either known or we are known by uh, for a point in time or for, you know, for our lifetimes. But, um, you know, our name isn't who we are and it's certainly our job title isn't that. And uh, I, I, I love the fact that we started off talking by about, sending out cards and disrupting, but uh, we've got quite deep on all of this. And I know, <laughs> uh, I, I know how much longer we, you and I could absolutely speak and perhaps we'll find a time to record another episode, but uh, I really wanted to thank you for being an amazing guest on, on Biz Bites, Greg. And um, we will, of course, as we always do include all the details on how you can get in contact with Greg in our show notes and, uh, of course, on the website um, for BizBytes, you will see all of the details, including buttons you can click on to connect directly with Greg. So thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on the program. My absolute pleasure. And thank you for the difference that you're making, doing what you're up to, amplifying the significance of others. Good job. And thanks. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And, and that we will. And for that, we ask you also to tune in for the next episode of Biz Bites. Biz Bites is brought to you by Com Together. 
for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.